Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Winner Winner Podcast, a Player Unknown's Battlegrounds podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Arjuna. I'm the other guy, Robin. And this is episode number 25, so that's pretty cool. You know, we're a quarter of a dollar so far. And um, yeah, I just wanted to thank you guys for sticking with us for 25 juicy episodes. And I think that we're celebrating in style this episode. We have a very special guest um, who's going to be on a little later that I can't wait to talk to and just get his insight about everything. Um, so yeah, that's Fran Ramsden with Ramsden Mental Fitness. So he'll be joining us just a little later. Um, but yeah, first of all, we just wanted to cover a little news in the world of PUBG. And uh, do we have any patrons this week, Robin? We do. We have one Patreon shout out to Andrew. So thanks a lot, Andrew. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. That's awesome. We decided to skip the Patreon question of the week because we basically had a mailbag of questions for our guest this week, so we'll just save it for that. Um, So yeah, Robin, why don't we, let's dive into current events. What's going on with the PC? All right, we got a mini patch, uh, patch 13, and I'll just go through some of the quick points of things that we thought were worth mentioning. Um, It looks like the lightweight grip and the halfweight grip half grip rather can now be attached to the vector which is Mm. awesome because that thing could only take one grip before yeah i Um, noticed that just last night actually and it was annoying me (laughs) (laughs) it's great because that's it's become a really popular weapon so i'm glad they've allowed Mm. that yeah and the vertical grip seems really hard to find now too yeah some minor weapon balance adjustments including first shot from the m16a4 has less recoil fact check um, Wacky Jackie just came out with a video on this, and there's no difference. It oh, has the same <laughs> So if you're looking for the buff with the M16, you might want to wait till the next patch when they actually <laughs> fix it. Um, he's, his video showed there's no difference whatsoever. So I don't know what they're trying to do there, if they made a mistake or if they're mm. just trying to boost the popularity of the M16 or, or to yeah, mind um, games. massage the rage <laughs> of, of people who liked the gun before. I'm not sure, but yeah. yeah. Uh, looks like they also decreased the spread of the shotgun pellets, which I thought they had already done at least once. Mm-hmm. And so Man. here we see shotties getting more lethal, which is great. Mm-hmm. Right, but it looks like to counteract this, they've decreased the effectiveness of uh, chokes and duckbills. Right. So basically, your, your pre-modded shotgun is better than it used to be. I'm curious now whether the post-modded shotgun is going to be like the best it's ever been or if it's actually going to be worse than it was before the, the buff. The way you know? that they phrased it, they said, so the effective spread f- for a shotgun with a choker duck bill will be similar to before. So I oh, think okay. the modified one should behave the same as it did before, but the the vanilla shoddy will be a little will better. Be better. Okay, yeah. I like that change. That sounds really good to me. Good job, PUBG Corp. Yeah, we'll, we'll see like how many buffings they need to give shotguns before they become a staple in the game. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. All right, looks like they've improved the holographic sight's reticle, so it's now the same size as a character's silhouette seen from 100 meters away. I don't know if that's going to make it bigger or smaller, mm, Yeah. to be honest, but I, apparently the size has changed, so be on the lookout for that size matters you know what actually it should make it the same size as the 2x on this relative to a player 
um, mm. the, the circle of that. But of course, there's no zoom, so I'm not sure. I, I look forward to seeing that end game. Yeah. Hmm, All right. Interesting. Looks like they've also fixed an issue causing red dot and hollow sight reticles to get smaller and blurry when swapping weapons. Now, I don't know. Is this the thing that we were complaining about yeah. last show? Based on the way they phrase it, I'm hoping, but it's also not exactly what we described. Yeah. Right. Because we just the smaller part is right on the blurry part. I wouldn't say it was blurry. I would just say, and maybe maybe that was the effect of it being blurry. Was mm. it looked dim? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it was just dim and small. Right. And it exactly. was mostly noticeable mo- noticeable on the holographic. But I did notice the red dot acted funny sometimes too. Yeah, so. it seemed to start on its weakest setting, mm. which which was kind of counterintuitive because I feel like in the game's history, the red dot has always started like right in the middle. Right, exactly. So yeah, yeah, it's just an odd, odd little bug. Um, This last point, I think, is (laughs) one of the biggest wins in the game's history. So tell us what it is, Robin. (laughs) I'm so stoked. This is damage received sounds should no longer play after winning a game. (laughs) All right, so... Which is amazing because it's always bittersweet to win. And like the instant that you win, it sounds like you just got pummeled by a car 98. And so you're kind (laughs) of like happy, sad for a moment. Like, yes, no, yes. Am I dead? (laughs) What happened? I won. Like there's (laughs) this like mental tug of war of your brain trying to make sense of what just happened. And, you know, we don't have to do that anymore. We just, just win the game, not get this weird damage received sound at the same time and just it's awesome it's just yeah it's like they take the like the highest stress moment in the entire game (laughs) and then they just add a little extra lemon and salt to it you know just just in case you weren't already stressed out you know now they said that that sound will no longer play but they haven't said if they replaced the sound with something else you know i (laughs) wouldn't be surprised if we see like a really close like red zone explosion or something like that (laughs) that would be like celebratory fireworks except it's just a red zone (laughs) (laughs) you know i always thought it was a little weird that they freeze the game at the instant that it's over yeah Right, I that, agree that they don't let you. I guess like there could be celebratory like um, crouch humping or something like that, but well, that they wouldn't want to see that. No one wants to see, but yeah, you know, it's true. In in that other game that we will not speak of, they give you like a minute to do your your favorite emo, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little like celebratory mm-hmm. thing. Um, and yeah, in PUBG, it's just like like this game is over yeah the the only exception i don't know if they still do this but if you're firing in full auto when you win it'll just empty oh, right. your entire magazine right. until your gun's pointed yeah. up at the like sky. the input well no it's kind of interesting right because if you're holding an, a move button right. you won't keep moving but you will keep shooting That's... yeah i'm i'm really curious about that yeah when i was first watching streamers you know before i'd ever actually won the game myself mm-hmm. I always thought that it was just kind of like a like a cocky kind of meta mm-hmm. thing that people did, you know, like that was just something people do in PUBG is they just hold the trigger down. And then mm-hmm. I realized that it was, no, it was just the game doing that. <laughs> so anyway. So now transitioning to a segment that we are really excited to bring you guys. We have been talking with performance coach Fran Ramsden 
he reached out to us and we connected with him and discovered that he's doing really cool stuff in the world of pro gaming. So we're really excited to have Fran on the show. Welcome, Fran. Arjuna, Robin, thank you, gentlemen. You bet. Thanks for coming. Yeah, dude, it's so awesome to have you on the show. So, you know, I could say nice things about you, but it's probably going to sound even better coming from your mouth. So um, tell us just a little bit about your history and, you know, how you came to be working with professional PUBG players. Sure, gentlemen. Uh, I am by trade an exercise science major from college. Uh, I have a business in personal training, so that's physical fitness. And for about 10, 12 months or so, I was looking at esports. I had, you know, stumbled upon it. Uh, very, it felt very underground to me, which is very exciting. And, um, you know, I think I watched some random YouTube video and it showed a stadium full of people cheering, watching people play video games. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I knew, I was like, oh, like this, this is going to be huge. So I started thinking about how I could get involved. Um, I'm only 27 years old to give some more context to the audience. So I'm very young and I like to see myself as cutting edge and staying on top of things. I think, you know, when you look at the business landscape, um, a lot of businesses are going out of business because they're getting old. They're not, they're not understanding Facebook. They're not understanding Twitter. They're still trying to do TV ads and radio ads. And I am priding myself on trying to stay in, you know, up to date, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so I, um, you know, I started Googling around for 10 months. I just, you know, it was kind of there, kind of on the back burner. And then all of a sudden I Googled esports in Pittsburgh since that's actually where I live. And uh, the Pittsburgh Knights came up in an article in a local newspaper. And I reached out and they were like brand new. I mean, brand spanking new. Like the article was written like one day previous to me finding it. And I just reached out on Instagram. I, people need to understand, sliding into the DMs is not just for chicks. You guys can get in there for business <laughs> if that's your space. Slid in there, uh, just kind of introduced myself, uh, said I, I thought I had something to offer them from the physical fitness. I didn't even think about mental fitness uh-huh. in regards to the esports. It was all about the physical fitness because these kids are sitting in chairs, you know, five, six, seven, ten hours a day. Their, their carpal tunnel was actually rampant for esport gamers mm-hmm. at like age 25, 26, 27. And I thought I had, uh, you know, a real valued service that I could provide them there and try to keep their gamers in tip-top shape. And uh, met with them at the nights. Got went down their headquarters, pitched them my physical fitness, and you're just kicking it around. I stumbled. I had thought of mental fitness, the idea of what mental fitness is, and we can get into that at some mm-hmm. point here. I was thinking about that for about six months and trying to like finalize it and work through things. And I let it slip, kind of. I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm, I'm going to get into mental fitness, mm-hmm. and. I remember Rob, uh, the CEO of the Knights, was like, what is that? And I explained it. Essentially, it's, uh, it's more fixing the mentality so that it, it's uh, you know, productive for gamers or anybody else that's looking for a positive mindset, um, trying to be efficient, feeling happy about life, that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. he was that. We want that. Mm-hmm. So guess what, folks? I didn't, have the, I didn't have mental fitness created, so I was kind of like half BSing the details. I ran home. And in six hours, I created the entire system that is now Rams and Mental Fitness. I went back, repitched it to them, and they brought us on board. And I've been there since February. It is now wow. May. So um, very, it's very exciting stuff. You know, I wasn't planning on asking about this, but I'm realizing as I hear you talk about the esports scene there that I, I'm such a noob when it comes to esports, and I know really very little about esports culture and what a professional gaming team looks like? Like how many people are on the team? So the way, again, that we're working with Pittsburgh Knights is we slowly starting 
like we're going to get uh, implemented in slowly to their organization. Uh, I'm very big on trying to get ingrained into the culture. So just like you feel like you know you're a noob about esports, I still have that mentality because there's always more for me to learn. Um, so right now we're hyper focused on the PUBG team. They just added a Fortnite team, so that's you know eight players right there. Mm. I know they were. You know, they're finalizing some contracts with some Call of Duty players. Uh, it seems to be in constant flux. Okay. Um, but player-wise but player wise right now, um, you know, the Pittsburgh Knights, by other measures and standards, are fairly new. You know, like, if you look at some of the larger organizations, like Team Liquid just spent a, a bazillion dollars on players mm-hmm. in the past year to try to ramp up their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they actually grow something like $19 million in earnings and stuff last year. So there's wow. some really big organizations. Uh-huh. Um, the, the Knights are newer, but it's in my local town, and I'm super competitive. And uh, there is that sense of, like, you know, tribe. Uh, from being from the same area, mm-hmm. and so um, again, we're just kind of slowly getting involved. But there's multiple teams here, uh, but right now we're hyper focused on PUBG and Fortnite wow. specifically. How do people join the team? I think you have to you have to pitch the organization, or they have to reach out to you and sign you. Okay. So I know for sure the PUBG team early on this would have been probably maybe last summer or late fall or something to that effect. They reached out to the to the Knights and said, "Hey, we're." You know, a top team in PUBG right now, you should sign us. Mm-hmm. And it's a process of like, why should we? Here's why. Okay, here's what we'll offer you. Here's what we want. And it's a kind of like contract mm-hmm. negotiations. Huh. It's very much like professional sports. If you guys or any of your audience follows professional sports, it's the same way. When the Pittsburgh Steelers go to sign a free agent, there's mutual interests and then there's negotiations and there's, in, you know, evaluations and people have to. You know, decide if it's a good fit, and then if so, then they sign contracts. There's mm-hmm. like like actual legal paperwork that they sign to join an organization. So, um, so what you're saying is that the Pittsburgh Knights PUBG team, they were actually like a cohesive unit before the the Pittsburgh Knights signed them, and they pitched themselves to the organization as a team. Yes, and there's been turnover, so it's not, to my understanding, it's not like the original team. Okay, um, and actually, the way it started is two of the players from the original team. Um, two, two of the players played together as like duos or together, and yeah. then the other two players played together as two, and then they joined to form oh, uh, nice. a foursome. Okay. And then since then, that foursome is kind of like it's not been shifted a whole bunch. Actually, the Knights' rosters remain pretty consistent, um, but we just went through one roster change in the past month or so. Um, so one player um, has been removed, and you know, and we have a new player that we're integrating right now. Nice. Mm. So this is a good segue into a question that we wanted to ask about, like team dynamics. You know, you've you've got players who are like a couple of players who are used to playing with each other, and then another couple of players, and they're coming together and they're trying to make a cohesive unit. How have you guys been approaching doing that and just like building the team rapport and the team communication? Yeah, great question. Um, I know right now, from my personal standpoint, I've actually not been happy. Um, with our PUBG team's um, extra effort, I'd call it, right? Or um, I just think people have a tough time understanding really the great position they're in. They're playing video games full time. <laughs> and I understand they're not making like a killing with the salary yet. Mm. And PUBG's still newer. So the prize pools aren't something crazy like you would see in League of Legends or something where mm. the prize pools are redonkulous. But it's, it's, it's uh, you know it's coming up right. It's it's still on the beginning stages, but the prize pools are getting larger. PUBG Corp is throwing a two million dollar prize pool over the summer for like a global championship type of deal. So it's it's rolling, um, and I just don't understand. I just don't think people, or maybe it's just my personality. I would literally be playing twelve hours a day. The mm-hmm. end. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's the only way I would know to get better is if there's one factor you can control as a player, which is your work ethic or time involved. I just don't understand how you would not maximize that. And so my <laughs> team knows this is like when they hear this podcast, this is not going to be a shock to them. Um, yeah, I think they should be putting a lot more hours in. And so that's been a focus of ours lately is just getting to five to six hours, which by the way, folks, I actually think is half of what they need, mm-hmm. but I'll take five or six right now because before that's been less. So about five or six hours of team Synergy or playing together, and I don't even care if it's playing public matches mm-hmm. or if it's playing like scrims against uh, the other top teams or playing actual tournaments or playing in different leagues. But I think at least five, six hours a day of actually playing together is at least a stepping stone, a beginning point. And so, you know, there's certainly my expectations that I set out to the team, uh, whether they comply or not. So always a work in progress. But we certainly do exercises inside of their mental fitness sessions to help with that. Yeah. So I'll give you a quick example of, a, of an exercise we went through. Uh, we had a whiteboard. We put every player's name on the board. So you had four players. And then on the side, I, I again wrote each player's name twice. And next to those, those names, one had a plus sign and one had a minus sign. And what we did is we went through live as a big group together. Each player w- was going to give a positive and a negative about each other player on their team. And this was to accomplish awareness of what your other teammate thinks about you, which is important. Um, you know, what's, if somebody can't trust you in a clutch situation, I think you would want to know that information. Or vice versa, right? If you think if you think someone's super clutch, you would want to know that. And so, all I don't think you can sh- you can overshare information when you're in a team setting, especially one that's competitive. Um, again, I just think it translates to any other sport. Think about professional football, basketball, hockey. Like these guys are communicating like, like professionals, and I expect the same from our PUBG guys. But I love that like on the ground example of of how you guys are actually working on that. So th- I want to bring in a, a listener question here, and and basically just to let you guys know, listening. Uh, we asked our community to submit questions for Fran directly. And the way that we're going to address these is we're going to kind of sprinkle them in as uh, in the relevant sections as they come up. And then if we have some time at the end, we might do a little like little lightning round grab bag for Fran as well. So this, this listener question comes in from IceMax011. So he says, how do you best handle a team dynamic when you know certain members of the team are at a higher skill level than other members of the team? Is that something that's come up for the Pittsburgh Knights? Um, so that's an interesting question. Um, I think, you know, I wish there was a, a way to get like even more context so I can give a really great answer yeah. to Iceman. Um, but I'll tell you this much with the Knights. There is one player, uh, his name is Draydon, and it seems to be that the other players think that he's either the most clutch, has the most experience, and the most game knowledge, yeah. and it's openly admitted on the team. So with that being said, you know the way the team dynamic works there with the Knights is he may or may not be given a little more freedom to do things without being micromanaged, mm-hmm. whereas a newer player who's still an unknown factor would probably catch more of the attention from the in-game leader. Um, now, to answer the viewer's question, okay, taking you know how I gave that answer about the Knights and trying to give him value, is if he's on a team and you know there's four of you and one guy's really great, okay, and the other three are either average or below him, and it's it's well known. I think it's a big mistake to not face that truth head on. So whether that means that the the good player says, oh no, I'm not that much better than you guys, like. You know, we're all on the same level. I actually think that's a mistake, mm. as, as is the opposite, which is people lying to themselves, acting like 
everybody's on the same level. I actually think it'll mm-hmm. do you more service if you guys are very open about it because it'll just allow you to, to form strategies better in game. It's mm-hmm. going to utilize each of your skill sets. Not everybody needs to be LeBron James of PUBG. Right. You know, there's plenty of guys that win championships that are not LeBron James. And I think I just think the more honest you can be with your teammates, the more synergy that you're going to have inherently. You talked about in-game leadership there for a second. Is the best player typically the in-game leader as well? You know, it varies. There are certainly teams right now, like I, I'm, I'm familiar with Team Method. Um, they're, they have a, a big-time player named Andy Pyro, and I believe he's the in-game leader. Um, he wasn't always the in-game leader, mm-hmm. uh, but a couple roster changes, he was th- kind of thrown into the position. And actually what happens, uh, when you become in-game leader, your individual talent goes down because you're focused now on your three teammates mm. and not necessarily you just killing people. Right. Mm. So it's a very, very tough thing. You know, it's kind of one of those things that is constantly talked about. There's even talk of like a democratic process of in-game leading and deciding as a group unit, you know, where to call, you know, you know, how to rotate to what location, what compound, when to move. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's interesting, there's a ton of theories and on the topic itself, I tend to, not get over ambitious since I'm more of a mental fitness and mentality aspect, not necessarily like an in-game analyst with all the nuts and bolts of this, you know, the actual gameplay. Um, But through my own personal experience, just from a a leadership standpoint, I tend to think it does work better when you have one person designated as the general, so to speak. The same way that you, yeah, it's the same way that you would not send a military in real life in battle and let everybody up and let the whole group make decisions there's a general you know like there's somebody making the decisions now i find that interesting that the um whoever is the leader their individual skill goes down because they're they're using their gray matter to process other things aside from pointing their gun basically right and so to me it seems like a good argument for having second or third best player on the team to be in game leader um I'm actually plugging this just because I'm usually not the best player on my squad and I want all the power. No. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you think of that? Is that is that something we see or do is there a pattern, I wonder? No. I think that's actually a, a real discussion to have. I think you'd mm-hmm. probably get different answers from, from different organizations. Um, I tend to probably agree with you personally. I think if you have a guy that's a great fragger, right? He gets a lot of kills. Mm-hmm. He's really good on the mouse, shooting people's face. Um, I would want him to remain that. I don't mm-hmm. want him to then think about the other three other players. Because as an in-game leader, you're really, I mean, at times, it, again, I, I try not to be too dramatic, but it's kind of like babysitting. You need to know every single person what they're doing at all times and sometimes some players need a lot of instruction mm-hmm. like there's tons of players that are great fraggers but unless you tell them where to go and where to shoot they're not good you know mm-hmm. like they need very specific directions so there is a real ar- argument there um, some organizations still decide that the best player still should be the leader um, mm-hmm. because he's going to know probably what to do in clutch scenarios or he might have the most knowledge um, but there's a real argument there that a second or third player, if they have a lot of uh, mental ability, right, if they're very, very intelligent and can think quickly and make decisions, um, but maybe they're not the best fragger, um, I think there's a, there's a real argument there that that should be the in-game leader. Well, there's a, I think if you're the best player, there's a lot of skills you have to have, right? Like you, certain situa- situational awareness and how to move in the game um, is huge. But even bigger, I think, is being able to communicate that uh, to your team and to be able to play and accept information from your teammates. Um, I know for me, sometimes when I play, I just people will be talking and I'll totally space them out because I'm so focused. I have definitely noticed that for myself as well, that I, I feel like some players have more of a propensity to think about the big picture of the game. Right. 
you know, while other players just seem to naturally go into like, there's people over there, I need to kill them mode, right? Yeah. And so- well, let me ask you this question, gentlemen. Yeah. Let me ask you this one. Have you ever played PUBG and died in a gunfight, you know, like, you know, um, you're engaging in a battle with somebody else and the blue zone comes and gets oh, you? Oh, yeah. Yes, all the time. Okay, so think about that. And that's essentially what happens to an in-game leader that's too focused on his own fragging and not the team, right? right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's right. the same thing where, you know, he's so focused on a gunfight shooting somebody, if he's not aware of the rest of it's going on like including blue zone that's one mm -hmm. factor but then he's got to know where all his other players are and what kind of fights they're getting into that's how he finds himself as a solo player very quickly mm -hmm. right you know right. what I, i'm remembering i haven't done this in a while but when i first started playing this with friends we actually instead of having an in-game leader which we did sometimes we would also have this other goal who's their job was just to watch the blue zone and to keep the rest of the team aware <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm a big fan of roles. I'm a big fan yeah. actually of like here's an exercise that each that teams that people that are listening to the podcast can actually do right now. And again, this isn't even necessarily something I come up with. This is more like what Rob the CEO of the Knights suggested as well. Um, is that the team should take turns when you play a match, let each person be an in-game leader, like just to try it out, just to see. Mm -hmm. And what happens is one person, whoever is designated as an in-game leader, they're the only person allowed to talk. No one else can say a word. Whoa. And you have to comply. And you have to comply. And now the idea is not that that's like the efficient way to do it, but it lets you see how other players communicate mm. and actually to determine as a unit, like, oh, well, when, when this guy was in-game leader, like, he was very attentive to us. The other guy, he let me sit over here by myself for forever. And I got blues. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. I think it's a really cool exercise to try out. And it really kind of puts people's communication skills to the test, especially because you're the only one talking. So there's like tons of pressure to to you know perform well mm. so that, that's something that's cool to try out wow. yeah i i love that idea and i also love the idea of finding a process to find players strengths you know and then playing to their strengths mm -hmm. so you know it sounds like if you have someone who's just naturally devoting their brain cycles to the blue zone great that's your blue zone guy you know if you have yep. someone who's like really hyper loot focused then maybe that's your loot coordinator right mm -hmm. i was just gonna tell you that yeah, if you create like a list almost of minimally accepted loot and create a guide and then everybody kind of like, you know, rattles off as they pick up gear. Like, hey, I've got two assault rifles with a scope. Hey, I've got this and that. Some guys should be, you know, if he's skilled enough at that, he could be sitting there almost taking mental tabs. Mm. Maybe in the beginning he has to use paper. Maybe he has to use paper in the beginning. I don't know. Mm. But he starts taking tabs. And as soon as you have, as soon as you have the bare minimum loot that you've decided as a team that you're good to rotate – he should let the in-game leader know, hey, at any time, we've got our loot, man. We can stay. You know, and there's all kind of different factors, where the circle goes, how much time is actually left. And you can stay and get more gear. But at least somebody's keeping tabs, like you said, on loot or the circle. Um, you know, I know for a while in PUBG, at least at the professional level, there was a, a strategy in the game where they would send one guy as a scout. And they would send one guy off by himself to look at compounds. And whichever one was open, he'd crash into it and say, oh, come to this one. And everybody would then zoom into that one. It's kind of phased out because a lot of teams would lose that yeah. one player in battle by right. himself and <laughs> right. then people realize it's not a good idea. Um, but again, I still like the creative thought around it of having one player designated. You just got to trial and error. Right. Yeah. Something that you're bringing up here that I wanted to touch on was, was the idea of team communication and like a shared language. So clearly I know that you know, I'm sure a lot of teams actually keep their call-outs and their specific jargon to themselves, you know, because that's confidential information. But I just wanted to ask you general questions about, like, you know, are the Pittsburgh Knights, like, developing their own system of, of in-game communication? 
Um, you know, I certainly know that they have their specific compounds that they like, right? Like the different buildings that, that they like to travel to. Um, uh, I do know that they use the color system to their advantage, right? Like each player gets to pinpoint something on the mm-hmm. map. And I know that, you know, they each, almost at all times, they are pinpointing something so that they can quickly refer to things as blue, orange, green, yellow, instead of having to explain mm-hmm. it. So I know that that's one way of communicating that, that at all times, every player is doing something with their icon, whether it's here's a vehicle, here's this, here's where I think we should go. Like they're, they're always heavily utilizing that. And I think that that's a mistake if you have players that are not. It's essentially an, a tool at your disposal that you're not using. Um, and certainly they name, you know, different buildings certain names so that it's easily referable and different hills and you know the geography of the map is certainly very easily communicated because imagine trying to say hey i think we should go to this red house by the river that's over the second hill (laughs) you know um so very quickly uh communication definitely and i would encourage anybody listening to kind of create their own you don't have to just model what the pros call different buildings uh you know i would definitely encourage trying to create your own internal code Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the motivational side of it because a lot of what happens in this game is that you get in these high-stress situations and a lot of times it doesn't go that well. And sometimes it's like, oh, you didn't call out well enough or maybe so-and-so was trying to be heroic and you know they totally biffed it or whatever. Or, or maybe it's even you ran me over with a car and I'm salty about it, right? Um, so, you know, I just wanted to ask, how do you approach that, keeping the team morale? And this kind of ties into a question from our listener, Cowboy. He says, how can you motivate your teammates if they're not having good games and are in a negative frame of mind? I'd love to know some tricks to help everyone in the squad stay positive and have more fun. So how, how do you think about that? Cowboy, my man, look, I got something very practical for you. You'll love this. <laughs> Um, so I actually, when I first started working with the Knights, when I first got on board with them, and I'm, you know, we started with individual sessions, so it was not as a group unit. And you're kind of, you know, going through each player, and they're kind of giving their, their perspective. And what this allows us to do as a staff is kind of put all the pieces together as the puzzle that the team can't see itself uh, because we're an outside force. And I looked at it and said, man, there's something going on here. This is, this, this is not right. You know, you, you, you know, it's like we're getting four different stories when it should be one story. This is interesting. And so um, as it turns out, what can happen in terms of like motivation is players can get in funks and if they're if they go unchecked they will drag the rest of the team down into the funk with them mm-hmm. and an exercise that i gave the in-game leader uh, of the knights his name is Voxic, i said to him i said my man i said what's happening right now with the team and he goes well we kind of like we're not really excited to play with each other right now we're going through some you know some losing streaks it's just not fun and everybody's kind of stressed out and i said okay well like what happens when you guys log on to play a game like do you guys say hi to each other and he was like no i'm like wait a minute it's that bad you guys don't even say hi to each other before you play oh my god i said all right today we're gonna fix it and i mean when they were doing bad they were doing very piss poor i don't i don't know if it was like 10 12 and remember folks at professional level there's only 16 teams uh in a game not you know whatever the hell it is, like 25 it's 16 mm-hmm. so it's when you're finishing 12th it's a disaster and so i'm talking and i said to him, good we're gonna fix this right now i said you're gonna go on you have an hour before you play your next game you're gonna go on to discord right now and you're gonna message each of your teammates and make up some crazy happy shit just make it up and be like almost <laughs> stupid happy it'd be embarrassing <laughs> and he went on there and he was like That's confused awesome. at first he was like wait like 
he at first he was like, what should I do? And I like, give me the keyboard. So I took his keyboard and I literally typed in and I said, yo, Dre, what's up, man? You ready to, to kill some dudes today, man? You're a beast. Just some craziness. <laughs> and, he, and, I, and I said, like this, like this, you do this, keep going. Yeah. And I said, and I said, make it cheesy, dude. Trust me. You need, you guys need to change some stuff up. This will help. So he does. And I remember we, I, at the office, so Voxix is the only one that's in Pittsburgh. The other three players are actually in, in Europe. Oh. So I'm down at the office, and Vox is in the, the game room playing the match, and he comes out in between, in between each round to you know, get a drink or talk to the team or whatever. And he comes out, and he's smiling. And now remember, the morale is so bad in this team. And he comes out, I'm like, how'd you do? Because like, the stream is behind. Like, you can watch the stream of, of the games, and it's about 10, 15-minute delay or something just so teams can't cheat. And he comes out. And he's like, we did well, man. We got third place or something. Like, you know, third or third place. And I was like, how's those teams' comms going? He goes, really good. Everybody's happy. I was like, what are the odds? You tell me when you're happy, everybody else gets happy. What are the odds? And I said, so now this is a, this is a tool for you to use. So here's what you do. Awesome. If you're hey, so cowboy, if you're playing on a team right now and everybody is just moping around, it's not a fun time, you need to bring some energy. Imagine being in a college party. And if you're not in college, I apologize. But if you're in college, being at a really boring party and then Mr. Party Man shows up. That's exactly what you should do just to mor- just to raise the morale. Now, it might not work. Someone, someone might go out and still be stupid if, if your skill level is still bad. But in this scenario, the Knights are really talented. Talent's not the issue. They should never finish in 12th place, theoretically. You know, they're not bad enough to finish down there and so just coming in with a very happy vibe and again almost the fact that you feel stupid it's too awkward it's so it just works man it just does it's very hard to still be upset when someone's so happy and uh it worked yeah it worked and and i tell vox i said now you can't do this every day because then you'll be a joke but every once in a while man pull out the bag Mm -hmm. that's awesome i love it just just wanted to call out a couple of listeners who'd asked really similar questions. Yeah, Matty Leeson, and he'd asked how to maintain a positive approach to the next game, especially after a run of quick losses. Sounds like that's exactly what you were just talking about right there. Um, you know, it's kind of like f- almost like fake it till you make it kind of a thing. Oh, you have to. I mean, so with that question, actually, you know, the answer I'd give him is, you know, like how do you bounce back to the next game after losing? Yeah. Right? And you have to realize... You have to come to the realization that the last game literally has zero impact unless you unless you allow it to. Mm. Like the last mm-hmm. game will literally have no input if you're mentally strong enough. Now, if you're weak enough and it puts you on tilt, then guess what? It's going to affect it a lot. It's the same way in, in traditional sports that you see teams that have, you know, like for instance, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ugh, they we cannot beat the New England Patriots. There, there's something to it mentally now where every time we play them. It's like, here we go again, right? It's a thing. And that happens because you're mentally weak enough to allow it. And so my thing there is once you realize that, yeah, you might have lost seven in a row, that has nothing to do with game eight. It really doesn't. That that has to do with games one through seven and all the mistakes you made then. Game eight, you can go out and play perfect, but it's going to hurt you a lot if you go into game eight thinking how terrible you guys suck. So that's something to keep in mind. It makes me think a lot about, you know, I've played Magic the Gathering a lot, which is... Me too. That was my shit back yeah, in the day. Yeah, man. Magic is great, right? And so Magic is, is a punishing game like PUBG because it also has a strong amount of randomness in it, right? And so it's mm-hmm. really easy yep. to go on tilt being like, oh, I just didn't draw the right mix of cards. You know, or like I had a better deck than my opponent, but they just drew better. And so they rolled me. And it's so easy to go on tilt. And, and a lot of the gurus of Magic say the same thing. They're like, if you allow the loss of the last game to affect your play in this game then you're basically 
letting one loss become two losses or become the loss of a whole round or become the loss of a whole tournament, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it just it reminded me a lot of that. It seems like a very mm -hmm. very similar mindset. Now what's fun is I I think that the flip side of this is that if you win, you don't want to walk into the next match maybe overconfident, but mm. it is maybe a good thing to walk into the next match with some of that positivity and you know good good vibes from that win. Um, so it's kind of like if you lost, forget it. If you won, you know it means something. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on overconfidence, Fran? Um, I think overconfidence hurts you if it's I don't know, it's if it's not in line with reality. Mm. Like you know, if a team comes on to the professional level and they're like the new guys and they go into the game thinking that it's going to be easy to roll over these professional teams and get number one, I think it's a mistake. Um, I think you actually, for me, it's actually about balancing. Uh, kind of like counter opposites, right? So for me, even if you look at me as a person in like real life, I'm probably one of the most confident people you'll ever see. You know, it, it comes out through like my my speech, even just how confident I speak. It comes out with my confidence to get into like business deals and do things that you know most 27 year olds are completely afraid to do. Is you know fiscally, financially. And for me, I'm confident, but at the same time, the way I balance it is I'm also like the most humble person you will ever meet. I will never ever brag that I'm doing something for the Knights and that their success is because of me, ever. That'll never happen. Even my team, you should see me, like our team meetings that we have at Rams and Elite Fitness and Rams and Mental Fitness, I give them every single ounce of credit. It's not about me ever. So that's how I balance it and it allows me to remain uh, in a position that I'm getting um, both benefits of the positivity and the confidence, um, but I'm also getting the check of reality because obviously we all know somebody who's a little too confident for their britches and then mm. turns very quickly into arrogance. Mm. So I do think if, now if you're the number one team in the world, I have no problem with a little bit of swagger. Like if LeBron James wanted to go out and talk smack at the, the NBA, you know, happy days for him. <laughs> like he's got the right. Yeah. Um, but it'd be like somebody coming out of college, right? Like we like we all know this, if you watch traditional sports, the the number one draft pick, he comes out and he's talking shit before this, this season even starts and then he goes out <laughs> and gets rolled. Like I think a guy's like, I don't know if you guys watch the NFL at all, but like Johnny Manziel was a guy. So flamboyant in college at Texas A&M. A phenomenal college quarterback. Absolutely a thrill to watch. And then in preseason, he's over there flicking people off, grabbing his you know junk, doing, doing all this. And guess what? In like literally one year, he's out of the league. Mm -hmm. So people got to be very careful because overconfidence can still, if it's not placed in reality, if you're actually not as good as you, you're professing to be, it could actually have a drawback. So what I tell our team is never become emotionally rocked either way. If you win, good. You should have expected to win, so you shouldn't be that excited about it. And if you lose, doesn't matter. We're going into the, we're going into the next game. It has no bearing. I like to remain right in the middle most, most times. Very stoic. All right. There's another kind of team dynamic question here from one of our listeners, Nibs TV, or Nibs TTV. And he, we always call him Nibs. Uh, he asks, how does someone deal with the squad being out of position and getting knocked? They're not safe and are bitching for you to pick them up. What do you do from here? Mm. So, <laughs> you know, when people run off on their own and get knocked and <laughs> need you to help them. I hear in this question a little bit of like, how do you handle the team dynamic if someone's like in a bad position or if someone's made a mistake, right? And you have to make the decision to maybe let them fall on their own sword. I think that's kind of what he's yeah. asking about. I see. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a peer pressure thing too, almost to me. Is kind of what it reminds me of. And yeah. you know what? I can empathize a lot. 
because I think I do. So I play, for all those that are listening, I play PUBG Mobile, all right? Um, I don't know why. I just It's easy for me. To, I don't have a good computer. Mm-hmm. I can't play on the FPS that these people – like I try. I actually, have, I actually have it on my desktop at home. But literally, I'll shoot at somebody, and and then I'll get killed. I'll watch the replay, and I'm shooting behind them three feet. So, like, I can't even deal with it. <laughs> so, I play mobile, and it works nicely. And, uh, you know, for season one of PUBG Mobile, for duos, I was actually in the top 100 in North America for a good bit. Which is funny, because I don't even play that much. I just was very efficient in my wins. And the way that the score system is, you know, you can climb without playing a bazillion mm-hmm. hours. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. So, to answer the question, because I know I do this to my, my duo partner, who's actually also my employee at Ramsey Mental Fitness. So, talk about dual pressure from the guy <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> i i know for sure if he does something it's almost almost reverse of the question if he does something that i think is stupid and gets knocked i'll literally berate him on the thing i'm like dude what are you doing why would you be out there that'll go revive him but then as soon as i do it i, I kind of feel bad like god damn it like, that's not going to be good if i you know like i and he can't put him down it's going to mess up with his confidence yeah and then likewise for sure if i definitely get knocked I've definitely been in the position where I'm like, all right, come get me now. And the guy's like, I can't, I can't. And, you know, you have to be careful, right? Because it's a team dynamic. And um, obviously, at the professional level, you have an in-game leader, thank God, that makes the call, whether mm-hmm. you go get him or not. Mm-hmm. So it's not a and, – and these professional guys are actually very disciplined in, in one aspect specifically. And that is you do not create mayhem or chaos on, on the communications. So if the call was made that you are not to be revived, you do not get to complain mm, and cry right. and say, come get me. No, it's a bad mistake. You are done. And you, re- you recognize it. And some guys mute their mic and, and get pissed off and leave the room. And some guys just tough it up and, and help <laughs> as a scout. But um, yeah. in that scenario, but I, what I would tell this kid or girl or guy is if, somebody's, if somebody you're playing with is knocked and they're complaining about you – I just again, I love honesty. I'd go right to it and say, "Look, my man, I'd love to get you. I can't. The fire's too. like I would just tell them really quickly that you can't, and and be done yeah. with it, and then move mm-hmm. on and, and play the game." I think another thing is, what do you do after it? Like, let's say a player does this kind of consistently, um, whether I was kind of renegating and then either just dying and therefore not being an asset to the team any longer, or becoming a liability when you have to go try to revive them. Is there what kind of how would you approach a teammate and say? For example, I need you to stop running off on your own. I think this is something about our culture here, too, is that we tend to have a pretty casual vibe on our Discord when we play. Uh, But sometimes people are a little more try-hard, too. So I'm not sure what what kinds of people he usually plays with. He usually plays with us. Um, And we often have a casual vibe. Yeah, I mean, it just depends, right? Like, if you're going into a game and you have a casual vibe... You have to understand expectations. Like you should not expect. Again, no, no offense, guys, but if you guys are going with a casual vibe, you shouldn't expect to just roll every game chicken mm-hmm. dinner. Mm-hmm. Like I do think there's something to it that if you're if you come in with this with a more serious mindset in terms of like um, like pregame, right? Like like actually trying to win. It, there's just a different vibe to it than if it's kind of a laid back playing, you know, trying obviously, but at the same time not try harding, mm-hmm. right? There's a big there's a difference vibe. So you need to understand the vibe of this scenario. And if it's something where you know, it's a casual setting, like you can complain to the cows come home that someone's running off. I don't think the person's going to change, right? And if you want to play in a more serious setting and you want your teammate to take you know, not going off on their own more serious, then find that sort of environment to play mm-hmm. in. I think you just need to have a, a lot of self-actualization on mm-hmm. that one. You know, this ties into another listener question we got, which I think would be interesting to tackle here. Um, This is from Addies, A-D-D-Y-Z. 
And he says, um, how do you find the balance between focusing intensely, but also trying to remain clear-minded and not overthink too much? It seems the best players can almost react instinctively, but I find myself making poor decisions if I get too relaxed. So what do you think about this balance between like being hyper-focused versus like just kind of leaning back a little bit and trusting your instincts to carry you? Yeah, I, I think in this question, I actually think he's giving a false choice. I don't think it has to be um, serious mind. Mm. Like, I think you can actually be a very serious mind and also be clear and not overthink. I think you can actually have both in that mm. same scenario. Like, I almost would expect that. I, I would expect you to take the game very serious. Like, again, folks, you have to understand, if you're trying to be a competitive team and get signed by an organization or compete in tournaments and win money, like, I don't. I, I would highly recommend going against a casual vibe. I would. Especially in tournaments. Mm-hmm. Like, I just would, I would come in with a different mindset. And so, with that being said, um, I think you can come into a game and be seriously prepared for it and then also not be clouded in your mind with overthinking. I think overthinking is not good in any scenario, whether that's casual or serious mood. So, I would highly, mm-hmm. you know, try to encourage getting rid of that whenever you can. And obviously, we, we can get into that, but it's, it's a little more complicated. That's a complicated issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, you know, it, 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 again, it comes down to environment for me. What are you trying to accomplish? Are you just trying to have fun after an eight hour day of work at a shitty job and you want to like hang out with your boys? Casual might be for you, you know? Um, mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. looking to like really like play and get ranked and win money or maybe get signed someday or try to get on to a team as like an intern player, scout player or something, like you might want to stick with the more serious vibe. I think that's a very individual question and uh, you, you have to answer it for yourself. Great. Hey, Arjuna, should we segue into some questions about the kind of physical health side of game? Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you have that history and background uh, being a trainer. And so we were just kind of wondering, especially since you work with people who game a lot and spend a lot of hours in the chair, some questions about this stuff. And so uh, let's just start off with a listener question from Shibui. And he asked, how do you handle fatigue, like wrist strain or joint aches after playing games for years? And then he has a related question attached to that. How to recover from slower reaction times when you're becoming fatigued in the middle of a game? Okay, so I'll start with the fatigue first. Yeah, those are fantastic questions, and I think it's highly relatable to a lot of players. Uh, Fatigue is actually something that is taken care of before the game. If you're in the middle of a game and you're having fatigue, guess what? You're in trouble. Mm. Like, there's going to be a lot of, there's a lot for you to overcome. Uh, Fatigue is not like something as simple as changing your thought pattern. This is actually something that's physical and mental both. Mm. So a lot of this is taken care of from making sure you have a regular sleep cycle. Um, I also would encourage people to like, you know, be in tune with your body about meals, right? Like if you function off of more food, like throughout the day as energy source, cool, eat it. If you're somebody that kind of like falls asleep because it's like Thanksgiving dinner and you eat all this carbohydrates in one big go and you're going to sleep, don't eat that before the damn game, you know, be smart about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I also recommend something that, that my, most people might not think about. Um, I actually am trying to secure, although it's a lot harder than you'd think, I'm trying to secure for our Pittsburgh Knights some sort of supplement uh, sponsorship. Mm. And I'm looking for somebody that has a pre-workout that is evidence-based, that the ingredients are clearly labeled. Um, things like creatine, beta-alanine, caffeine. I'm, I'm looking very intently at this because I think it gives you a boost. And at this point in time, it's not like they're going to make that illegal. It's the same reason why we all go to, you know, like for at least for me, when I go to the gym, I take a pre, I take a pre-workout supplement because it makes me perform mm-hmm. better. And I think the same thing could be said about gaming. Again, if you're on the serious side of the spectrum, I why would you not take caffeine to combat fatigue? Caffeine clearly 
over time combats fatigue, which mm-hmm. is why everybody drinks coffee in the morning before going to work. You, you wake up. And so if somebody's feeling really fatigued and you have a big tournament coming up, you might want to heavily look at getting caffeine into your body so that at least for that small time period, um, you're a, a tiny more bit alert. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, that – that's a great question. Now, as far as the other side with the aches and pains, you know, again, depending on age, as we all age, we all start to deteriorate. Um, exercise slowly prevents that from happening over time. Um, so the more you exercise, the, the less rapid you will actually deteriorate. Um, now, your joints, including wrists, knees, ankles, all the good stuff – you know, once you, you know, I did a podcast actually uh, on this topic. I think I spoke to you guys about it before. Mm-hmm. Most professional gamers are, are out of the game by 27. They're not staying till they're 43. You know, most gamers start when they're 17, 18, 19, and they're done in their mid 20s because physically and mentally, it's such a drain. And you're right. There's a very, there's a large, there's a large lack of education right now on this. Um, I myself, I'm actually even disappointed with myself that I haven't got to the level yet that I have been able to fully implement with the knights an actual pregame routine for their wrists and hands. Mm. Um, I have, I have it written down. I have it written down. I just haven't been able to implement it. And obviously, it's hard because the three guys are in Europe and doing it over Skype or Discord video is a little bit harder than having them in, in person to, to get some hands-on instruction. Mm. But again, that's something that pregame will help increase blood flow. And sort of prevent that locking up of joints, especially over time. If I start them now when they're 17, 18, 19, I think I can help actually uh, elongate their careers into their 30s pretty easily if they just mm. take that a little more serious. I, I love that. And I feel, you know, I'm a, someone who's huge on ergonomics. Um, and I think maybe one of the reasons for that is I'm just like... My, my physical body isn't as robust as some other people's is. And so I notice that stuff a lot quicker than other people do. Mm. Um, but I think, ironically, it might mean that I might elongate my ability to do it in the long run because I've called such a focus onto it. And I, you know, I, I love that we're talking about this. And I definitely want to just like plug for people. You know, ergonomics is huge in in computers, right? You know, study after study shows that your typical computer setup is just wreaking havoc on your body. You know, sitting all day, uh, slouching, having your monitor at the wrong height, having your keyboard and your mouse at the wrong height. These are all things that are going to cumulatively add up and just make your body go through hell. Um, so, you know, I, I won't get into that right now, but I just want to really encourage all of our listeners and especially listeners who do deal with aches and pains, there are actually very quantifiable changes that you can make to your computer setup that will reduce or sometimes completely eliminate those pains while you're playing. And it's just a matter of taking the time to figure it out for your body and your setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, since we're here, I did just want to ask one more question, maybe for both of you, since you spent a lot of time thinking about it too, Arjuna. Is, and I know you and I work at the same office, essentially, Arjuna, both working from home. And I noticed you seem to take a lot of breaks. Do you guys think that taking breaks and, and moving your body is, is really helpful to help alleviate that kind of fatigue? Hmm. Why don't you tackle that one, Fran? Um, yeah, it certainly does. I mean, even for the very least, it increases blood flow, again, which people don't understand. Like, again, you have to think about this. And again, unless you've, you've studied this, uh, even at a college level, uh, most of you won't possess, you know, most people won't possess this knowledge, right? And you have to think about your, your circulatory system. It delivers nutrients to all of the cells, joints, muscles, etc. And so if you want to essentially increase the efficiency of the that delivery system, you need the blood flow to increase, right? So... You get up, you stand up, you walk around, you, you know, you prevent joints from locking essentially or being stuck in a certain position. 
um, which is always good. But again, you increase the blood flow, especially to your fingers, right? If you get up, your body tends to have poor circulation uh, farther away from the center mass, the fingertips, the toes. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you get up, you walk around, you should have a hand routine. There's actually a really cool um, tool. I don't know if they still have it on Amazon. You guys can check it out. It's called Hands Expand. So you spell type in hand X bands mm. and it's actually this thing you put on each finger and it's like a it's like mm. a resistance band thing and you're able to like yeah, strength train yeah and I, I i would highly encourage that for gamers i think everybody should have that i've actually created a routine that uh that's on my computer um for when the time comes to kind of implement that cool. but there's a whole strength routine you can go through to really increase that uh you know your efficiency of your hands but i'm all for it arjuna i think you're exactly right uh the way you have your computer set up the chair how you know i'm actually probably to the point where i would like like you, I would find the optimal way to set that up and want that for my professional team because I think any advantage you get at the professional level um, just increases your chances mm-hmm. of winning and winning mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have another question about physical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty trendy and has has been a thing for a while in office environments for people who work with computers to have standing desk or at least to have a desk that's adjustable so they can alternate between standing and sitting. And I, I personally do a lot of that um, when I'm working. I do tend to sit when I'm gaming, but have you seen any people at the professional level standing while they game? Uh, no, I have not. And even the idea of like the walking desk or like you see some secretaries that will sit on the bouncy ball instead of an actual chair. Um, I have actually had – I've never tested it myself. Um, I'm naturally somebody that has eye energy, so I'm constantly moving around. In my home office, uh, just like you guys, I work from home. My home office is on the third floor attic. So if I have to go down and get water or food, which is con- pretty consistently, I'm always going up and downstairs. Mm-hmm. So, but just by by the nature of, of my kind of environment, I'm always moving around. Um, but I have not had the opportunity to work at like a standing desk. I actually don't know if that would fit my personality. I don't like it. I don't. I don't think I would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe from a health standpoint, it'd be better. But um, man, I think I'd rather just sit in a really nice, comfy chair when I'm working, and then just make sure that I'm getting up every so often, maybe once an hour, to make sure that I'm not. Uh, you know, doing havoc on my posture, mm-hmm. to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I, I like that. I To me, it seems like, you know, just variation is the key. It seems like as long as you're, like you said, getting up, you know, give programming incentives to leave, right? So like, maybe you have a small cup that you keep your water in, and so it forces you to get up all the time, you know, or mm. maybe you drink a lot of fluid, so you have to go to the bathroom a lot, or, or whatever, you know, maybe you don't keep all your snacks right by your desk, but just whatever it is that inspires you at a very regular interval to just get up and have to do something else. I think that's a good way to, like, game your own system mm. there, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, um, and I just wanted to say PUBG is actually kind of perfect for this because... Uh, as we all know, it takes usually like about two minutes to transition from the end of one game to the start of another game. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really excellent time that you can use to just take care of yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. So what I try to do is between rounds, um, especially if I got pissed at the last round, you know, cause some, you know, some motherfucker shot me and I thought it was unfair or whatever, you know, is, is that I'll like get up, maybe I'll shake it out. You know, I'll look out the window, maybe I'll discharge whatever energy that I had. Um, and, and I really, and also just not be looking at the monitor, you know, be looking away. And I find that if I do that between every game, um, I come back to the next game a lot more refreshed 
and you know my eyes are refreshed my body you know every part of me is refreshed and i find that that allows me to play longer and to play better by doing that mm-hmm. um so yeah um you know we we had some questions about stress that i wanted to ask you about you, like we have a, a listener sugar slice says what is your take on using video games even ones as stress triggering as PUBG as stress relievers. Uh, being a police officer, my work can be quite stressful. I love unwinding with video games on my time off, but I wonder sometimes if that could be an underlying negative stress that might not be initially apparent. And um, I, I just wanted to ask, like on my own, you know, I know that like PUBG is a really can be a really stressful game. And I just wanted to ask Fran whether you or the Knights have any things that you do to kind of like minimize that stress level. Yeah, I mean, so for this topic, right, stress and gaming, um, it's a very personal question, right? Like if you're playing a game uh, that's supposed to be for stress relief and you find that you're actually inducing more stress, uh, especially feelings of consistent anger, or you start to get nasty with your teammates, you know, maybe it's not the best stress-relieving tool. Not saying you still shouldn't <laughs> play it if you enjoy it, because the high, like, a, like a game like PUBG is going to have a lot of highs and a, and a ton of lows, right? I'm probably, practically any video game that's competitive will be that same way, which is why we're attracted to it, just like we're attracted to gambling and all these other things that have highs and, you know, really high highs and really low lows. It's, it's something in human nature that, uh, that makes us unique and, you know, we seem gravitated towards that. So in regards to stress relief, um, I tend to deploy an individualistic approach right now, which is I'm not going to necessarily force any of the professional gamers that we work with at the Pittsburgh Knights to do my routine or what I want them to do. Um, I'm going to like investigate a little bit and try to figure out what they're doing currently and if it's sufficient. So some player might, when he dies and it's a very tragic death and he gets really pissed off about it and you know he, he puts himself on mute, he goes listens to music and he comes back for the next game feeling refreshed. And for him, in the, you know, the micro sense, that's a great stress relieving tool to get over the last loss. Some other guys, they are able to handle a death on the spot instantaneously and they stay on and they stay on the comms and help out with scouting because I don't know if you guys knew this or not but when the professional level if you die you're still able to spectate your teammates so you can actually still see uh, I think I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. I don't know I, I don't know enough if it's in third person or first person but a lot of the professional scene is pre- is all played in first person practically mm-hmm. um, and so I don't know if as an observer you get to see third or first person but you can still obviously see a ton of value being there and being an extra set of eyes so for me you know, there's different strategies, but also, at the end of the day, I'm looking to see what would actually get somebody the actual stress relief. And so, yeah, there, there, there's a ton of tools. Um, even outside the game, um, I just I just was at a fascinating place here in Pittsburgh. It's called a float tank, okay? It's mm. sensory deprivation. You sit into this, it looks like a high school ice box, you know, where they keep the ice in for the sports teams. That's what it looks like from the outside. <laughs> but inside, there's water about shin height with... I think the guy said 1,000 pounds of Epsom salt. And so what happens is it's you float in the water without any effort. And so you sit in there and you close the lid. So it's pitch black. It, there's almost no sensation once your, body's temper, once your body temperature drops to the same level as the water. And so it becomes actually very tough to tell where your skin ends and the water begins. And it's pitch black and you're in there for an hour. 
and you're left with your thoughts. And that's a way outside of the game, outside of the micro, like that's not an instantaneous release. That's something that you do on an off day or when you have time in the morning before a big event or after a big event. But still, I think it goes without, you know, it shouldn't go without saying that that's still massive value if that's, if you would benefit from that. Me personally, not so much. At about 50 minutes, I was ready to get the hell out of that damn thing. I was, I was good. But somebody else might have a ton of value, you know. And a, a, same thing with goes for massage. I know massage for me, I love it. It resets my muscles. It, it relaxes me. That's something that I thoroughly enjoy. So again, it's a very personal question. Um, but f- when you find something that works for you, don't let somebody else try to like dictate you into another mm. method. You can try other things, but if what's working for you is working, my man, it's working. You know, mm, that's great. I love that. I've I've actually recently done the float tank myself for the first time, and I just I love it, man. I can't get enough. So definitely plus one for the float tank there. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic. Man, you know, I'm sure that we could talk to you all night, Fran. Um, and it's been awesome having you on here. So uh, I thought maybe before you leave, we could just do like a little lightning round. Ask you a couple more questions. Uh, does that sound good to you? I tell you what, before we do that, can I go off on one topic, please? I've been thinking about this all night. I want to make sure I address it. So I think there's 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 one part that hasn't come up in the questions yet, but I think it provides a ton of value to your audience and maybe even to you guys. And okay. I know we've discussed this uh, kind of off the call, but uh, this is something that, again, I just think is so important. Awesome. I don't want to risk it not getting asked in the lightning round, and then I forget, and then, oh my God, yeah, here we go. Yeah, let's do it complaining if you complain and i don't care if you're a professional player if you're an amateur if you're casual if you if you want to if you're inducing rng or a hard shift circle or you don't like water finishes and you go on twitter afterwards and complain about it i tell you what you will not be in the professional scene or you will never get there in the long run and don't get it twisted Mm -hmm. i'm being very serious because i'm so passionate about this topic Right now, we are dealing with such a level of complaining at the professional level. I cannot take it. It, it, it literally, nothing pisses me off more than going on Twitter every morning and seeing the entire <laughs> EU scene complaining about some patch or the water or the hard shift or, oh my God, Miramar is coming into competitive play. I don't want to hear it. You guys are all losers. You play this for a living. You literally play this for a living. And it's out of your control. Guess what? The developers are going to decide. The tournament, the people that run the tournaments are deciding what the rules are. I don't care if you think 16 teams is the most optimal for a tournament. This organization decided to do 20. Suck it up. And I just, I get so devastated because it's twofold, right? Like, it instantly tells me that deep down you're still a loser and there's a lot of things that you need to work on mentally, like mental fitness wise, to get to a point where you realize complaining does nothing. And it's worse to see players double down and actually think that their complaining is like giving honest feedback, mm. which is like the newest thing. I'm just giving feedback. No, no, you're complaining and you want everybody else to feel your pain and comment on your tweet and tell you you're so right. And I, I literally can't take it. And I. Just so you guys know, I'm not having a double standard. I refuse to accept this at the Pittsburgh Knights. If I even get a whiff of it, the same way that I just went off now, I go off my players and insert some F-bombs because it's literally intolerable. If you're going to be the best in the world, especially at a competitive game like this, you're never going to get there if you cry every time something doesn't go your way. So I wanted to make sure I said that before we get into the lightning round. But again, I just think it's it's just too valuable not to mention. Very passionate there. No, and it's it's a huge part of the culture too, and and what can bring a team down as as we see um, is you know someone gets in a bad mood or someone gets killed early, and then uh, they start complaining and you know mm-hmm. just kind of tanks the whole mood. So yeah, yeah. we hear you, man. 
I mean, yeah. RNG to me is so fascinating with the, with the hardship circles, right? Like, like I've watched circles, and look, I play PUBG Mobile, so I understand when I'm on one side of the circle playing the edge, and guess what? The circle's on the complete opposite fucking side. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks real bad, but guess what I do? <laughs> I literally instantaneously make a call. How are we going to get there? And I know it's tough. We might, we'll probably die, right? But at the same time, you will never see me be like, oh my god, can you believe it did that to us? Because guess what? Those same people that complain about hardship circles, you don't see them complain when, when, the, shir- when the circle three times in a row goes right on their location and they don't have to move a lick. <laughs> right. So it's, an, it's, it's, it's a disaster. So don't do it, folks. Yeah. Don't complain. No one wants to hear I, that. You know, I actually really like that because, um, and I, I've called this out on the show before, but I, I like Shroud, you know, clearly one of the best PUBG players in the world, if not the best. Um, and I really like him for this because I feel like he's really good at like, if someone owns him, he'll just be like, GG's, that was good, you know? And if the, if, if he wins a round unfairly, like if the RNG really favors him, he'll be like, you know what? I did well that round, but I feel like the RNG favored me, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's not bitching at, you know, whatever, if it doesn't go his way, he just like takes responsibility Mm -hmm. and, that's, I think that's one of the reasons people like Shroud, and I think it's one of the reasons why he's a bit more of a class act in this game than some of the other streamers. Right. You know? I, and I love to see him credit other players when they yeah. when they beat him. Yeah, um, exactly. And, or any, I love to see any player do that. So Yeah, I think, like you said, Fran, I think it's a sign of self-esteem, you know, that someone can just, like, handle that. They can just, you know, like, accept the way the game went and not have to you know, bitch about it. Right? Yeah, it's just, it's just at every level. Like, I just, just don't like, like, you, do, you know how often I could complain about business? Like, imagine if I went into a team meeting and complained about something that happened to our business. Like, what do you think, like, to your, to your guys' point, like, how do you think that's going to affect my team? Mm-hmm. And for me to go on Twitter every morning and see the European players, especially some of these in-game leaders, complaining about things like water circles and they never want to see it again. Guess what? You're going to get water circles and guess what's going to happen? <laughs> I told like, imagine if your in-game leaders literally complaining about water circles and then one hour later you guys are in a game and you have a water circle. Imagine like what that's going to, like the, the team vibe, like they're not stupid. They saw you complaining an hour ago. It's going to affect the team in, in a negative manner. It just is so unnecessary at this level. And again, mm-hmm. if... If people uh, are going to tolerate that in other organizations, happy days for the Pittsburgh Knights. <laughs> Love it, dude. Um, all right. I just I want to throw a question at you. It's coming from, uh, I don't know if it's blind guy or blonde guy, McSqueezy. Um, but either way, Mr. McSqueezy here wants <laughs> to know, what are the biggest things that you have noticed mentally that separate the good players from the bad players and even the pros from the above average players and what are ways that someone can work on those aspects i really oh, like so appropriate so do i so appropriate number one don't complain how do you stop <laughs> complaining you log off twitter and don't complain love it mr mcsqueezy you're the man um, outside of outside of that obviously there's some things we can control and can't control high mechanical skill for the game is something that you definitely see like these guys are absolutely amazing think about the best player that that you know if you're an amateur or just somebody that casually plays PUBG think about the best player that you've ever seen the most amazing shot you've ever seen okay 3x that and that's what happens on the daily at the professional level which probably weirdly has led to this entitlement which has less than led to the complaining so it's a very weird circle um, mm. but the, the talent level is certainly Certainly there. Um, you also see, for the most part, um, professionalism. Um, you know, in and outside the game, in terms of 
um, not embarrassing themselves. I think they have an awareness to a certain degree that they represent an organization and, you know, it's bigger than themselves at times, right? Um, you see camaraderie is definitely something, you know, a little very laid back, you know, like to be able to have a team that, uh, to the point earlier about how to determine casually versus taking the game seriously, professional players have a switch, you know, they can be making fun of each other one second and not getting super butthurt about anything said and not take it seriously. And then the next second flip the switch, get into game mode and, um, get it, get after it. So those are just a couple of things off the top of my head that I see. But other than that, to be honest with you guys, they're just normal kids, man. A lot of them are normal kids under 25 years of age that just have played a game, put a lot of hours into it, had a lot of work, I think, to get here and just work hard every day. That's awesome, man. I love it. Um, <clears throat> got another question here. Spentacular13 asks, do you have any tactics or strategy to induce mental stress on your opponent? <laughs> Is this something you guys talk about at all? Um, it's not, but off the top of my head, you can induce stress by uh, playing the game well and killing people. Like I tell you right now, if that's a good the, answer, the number one like way that. to induce stress on a team is definitely you know knocking one of their players early and then having the other team have to scramble to pick the guy up and all this and that. And so you know, um, just like we talked about earlier with, with traditional sports, if you play the game very well and are one of the most consistent teams, there becomes this name brand recognition around it, and it's a, it's definitely a factor. I'll tell you right now, on the professional level, Phase Clan owns that mental advantage right now. Everybody mm. knows who Phase Clan is because they're the most consistent, the best team right now. Right now, I say. And um, it definitely, like every team knows and tries to study that uh, phase to like understand how they move because that's the team to beat. And mm -hmm. um, so there's definitely something to have the advantage of being a top tier team. Just like when you go through these different levels of qualifiers for these tournaments, you know, it was kind of humbling. I, I was watching a, a qualifying round the other day for the Knights, and because it wasn't streamed on Twitch on like major channels, I had to like go digging to find it. And I guess one of the teams that was in their lobby was streaming it on their private channel, like on their own channel, and it was delayed and everything, so it met the standard, but it was so cool to watch another team that's quote-unquote a no-name or an amateur team kind of come up through the ranks, and they were literally so obsessed with the Pittsburgh Knights because that was the big team in the lobby. That's such a mental advantage. So being very good at the game and perfecting your strategy and inducing harm on others in the game um, certainly can put teams in a, in, into a tizzy. Rad. Um, all right, got another question here. I, I'm actually really curious to hear the answer to this. Charlie MCN asks, I'm interested in the best way to learn from a mistake. Do you try to put yourself in a similar, um, similar position and try to do something you thought of after? Um, or, you know, I, I guess what he's asking is like, if you identify a hole in your mistake or if you made a, a high profile mistake in your game, how would you go about rectifying that? So this is a huge leak that I think exists right now with the Pittsburgh Knights, for, at least from my standpoint. I'd like to see them do a lot more of this, which is reflection upon games and actually reviewing game tape. Um, you know, I don't think – like mm. it, it would surprise you guys how little time that professional teams right now, especially the European teams, are putting into the game. Like I've DM'd a lot of them on Twitter just to kind of get some perspective and ask them. And every single one of them so far has told me essentially this. We played a lot when we weren't pros to try to come up and learn the game. But now that we're pros, it's too stressful. We don't really put that much time into it. And oh so my you essentially have these, yeah, it's amazing. So you, essentially you have a lot of teams that are just showing up to tournaments playing like that's it. And Whoa. you know, there's other factors. Some people have jobs still like there's a lot going. Some kids are in school. Um, but to me, 
there seems to be an opportunity for somebody that takes a that can take a self-critical eye to their own gameplay and use, use it to their advantage. If you're able to review your tape, so somehow if you record your game and it doesn't mess up your FPS, which by the way, I don't know if that's a thing or not, but people are like freaking out over two or three FPS difference and shit. All right. <laughs> but anyways, you know, so if you're able to record your game and rewatch and watch the replay of it and find your mistakes, guess what's going to happen? You're going to find mistakes that you do often. Those are the mm-hmm. ones you should correct. Or the catastrophic ones were the ones that end that lead to your death. Those ones should be corrected. Little mm-hmm. mistakes here and there like, you know, picking up a a uh, M16 and not picking up a scar instead. Like that, you know, certainly is a debatable thing, but it's not as huge <laughs> as I should have ran over that cliff without checking. I just ran over and got sniped, you know? Mm-hmm. Like and if that happens to you often enough and you're able to actually review your game and actually take note almost of the mistakes you make on an often basis, it's not that you need to go into that same scenario and try something different. It's just becoming more aware of it. That's how you fix mistakes, yeah, becoming yeah. aware. Because, because here's what happens the next time. You go to that hill and you're like, wait a minute. Last time, last time I went over there, I caught a car 98 to my face. So mm-hmm. I'm going to actually try this instead or I'm going to utilize smokes or whatever. Um, that's how you learn. Mm. Love it. You know, Robin, this reminds me of that Why Did I Die form that you made. Do you uh, want to just talk about that a little bit? <laughs> so um, right around the time we talked to you last time, Fran, uh, I, I made a survey for our listeners and for myself to fill out. Called It's just a Google form called Why Did I Die? And it has about 13 or 14 different options you can select for different factors that contributed to your death in PUBG. And they were like, I potatoed, meaning I had bad aim, or the opponent had better cover than I did, or I rushed, and things like that. And so it's given us a chance to see on a large scale what the most common factors are that contribute to people dying. And people can also enter their name on the form, and they can later filter the results by um, their own name if they wanted to track their own mistakes. So... Yeah, we've we're starting to try to develop tools for our listeners to kind of become more self-aware, um, aside from watching their videos of their their gameplay. So, so yeah, that's I I'm glad you mentioned that Arjuna because I did want to announce that on this episode. Um, so if you listeners are curious, I did put a link in our Discord, and I can I'll I'll share that in more places. Um, definitely in the show notes for this episode if you're looking for that. Did Did you have something you wanted to add to that, Fran? Um, I just think that that's just that's, that's just a great tool. I think you're right. Every single person right now should go check that out. Um, I think it's <laughs> fascinating, and I actually would even be interested to see like the results, like what's the number one most reported or whatever like that. Okay. Um, it probably yeah. tends to be yeah, something be like to, yeah, yeah. I mean, even even you. me, like like if I play, I tend to look for things that I control though, right? Like I definitely would never probably click RNG or something. Like I would never click. Oh, the circle got me. <laughs> no, like, I no. would always tend to look. I would always tend to look internally first and try to figure out like what I could have did better. Even if it's a tough shift, exactly. You you I, still find ways that you could you could have done something better and actually probably survive. Yeah. I think that's the most fascinating part. I tried to list only things that a player could have control over, and and I think I did actually leave the blue zone in there because a player can control how exposed they are to it. Mm-hmm. And so right. if people are seeing that they're getting killed by it, then they need to be more proactive about getting ahead of it. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I like. You know, I think this is just a general rule of empowerment is like every time something bad happens to you, whether or not it's in your control, if you approach it like it was in your control, you'll you'll learn from it. And you'll get better from it. Um, and I think that that's really, you know, 
not not the part about getting hard on yourself, but the part about just thinking like, how can I treat this like it's something I have control over, right? Yeah. Then, what what could I have done to have avoided, you know, becoming a victim of this factor? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and you know, you'll you'll always <clears throat> emerge more empowered when you have that kind of a thought process. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear you, I don't I don't know if you've stated that outright, Fran, but I feel like you've basically been implying that the whole time. You know. Oh, it's the most. It's probably. It's the number one characteristic trait that I would look for in a leader. Um, mm. Somebody that blames themselves no matter what. Um, I, I do it in my company, right? Like I'm the CEO of both my companies. And if something happens, whether an, a client quits us or what, you know, or, or we screw up, like the first thing I'm going to do is always, what, you know, this is on me, team. This is on me. And so you actually provide kind of like protection for the people that you're, you know, that are working for you mm. or working with you. And that just creates a very nice co- company culture. Um, you know, not one where I'm not going to hold people to their mistakes or like, you know, their performance, but at the same time, they're not constantly on edge like every other corporate, right, you know, corporate job right now, which feels mm-hmm. like at any point in time you could be, you know, undone by company politics or, you know, you name it. Uh, I'm just trying to create a very, you know, a very teamwork environment that uh, would relate a lot to like esports or even professional sports. Mm. That's awesome, dude. I love that. Yeah. All right, I got one last question here for you, um, and this is from Smith JLH. This is our very own Tim here, and uh, he asks, "I'd like to learn more about dealing with toxic personalities. There's just so much racist, sexist, and overall negative attitudes over side chat, and you know anyone who's played this game for any amount of time can attest to that." I know that you can simply mute those people, but many comments can become distracting throughout the game once they've been said. So, like. Yeah, what what are your thoughts about dealing with like heckling or, or you know, inappropriate comments, stuff like that? Yeah, so uh, those type of comments, racist, sexist, uh, you know, things that are going to try to get at your not character, but just the essence of you as a person. Uh, you know, you're going to do nothing to prevent that from happening. Like that's always going to exist. I think, at least. I mean, it's going to be. It's it's a, it's this idea that you know, especially here. Uh, the United States, you know, we've we've come a super long way when you look at what it was to be, you know, African American in the 1950s or whatever. You know, like it's it's come a long way, and you know, for me, it's difficult because I deal with almost the opposite, which is. You know, I, you know, I'm white, right? I'm just a white dude, and I don't experience any of that stuff. Like my girlfriend has to deal with a lot of the, be careful walking walking around at night because she's a female, right? And I've I've never had to deal with any sort of racial stuff. And so at the same time, my opinion right now exists that it doesn't it doesn't even fucking matter if somebody calls you, you know, racist terms or sexist terms because guess what? You're not going to prevent it from happening, at least in my opinion, ever. So you're going to have to learn to deal with it. And then once you really realize that it really doesn't fucking matter what they say, mm-hmm. that's how you. That's the unlock. I mean, that's the true unlock. Is that just not caring about what people say? Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, like, like we have professional athletes that do it now. Like, like, and again, I, I can't believe I've used LeBron James twenty thousand times this episode because <laughs> I don't even really like him. But it's like the most, you know, the most uh, athlete that's like above his peers to me, like the most, like. I'm sure he's gotten called names, you know, like I'm sure it happens, but guess what? You have to learn how to deal with that. And so for me, um, it's very easy that you would get that for people to get sucked into that. And if, it, if you, if you really care about people's opinions and you're, you're somebody that seeks attention and seeks uh, validation in others, it's going to be harder for you to overcome. I still think it's a mistake. I still think you should look, seek to overcome that part of you and learn to become content with yourself. And there's a lot of things you can't control, including the gender you are and the sex that you are. So when you really think about it, it's really stupid to sit here and argue about 
well, he's mean because of this. And it's just things we can't control. And so I'm just not a huge fan of ever really like trying to dwell on that issue. And people that do, I think it's actually a big leak and a big mistake. All right. <clears throat> Thanks for your hot take on that, man. You got um, it. Well, uh, Fran, it's been awesome having you on this show. You've brought so much value to our show and our listeners. I'm super stoked that you are you know, made the time really to, to make this happen. Um, and I just wanted to ask, you know, where can people find you on the internet? How can people link up with you? So, gentlemen, it was an absolute pleasure. And, you know, obviously, I, um, I love doing this kind of stuff. I, don't, I hope it comes across. Like, if you get one thing, the one thing that uh, most people say that when they interact with me or that they hear is, like, authentic, right? It's just straight. I try, I'm not political. I'm not going to BS answers. I try to give – because that's what's really going to win. For me, the hon- honesty and the truth is always undefeated and always will be. And so if we start to really cater towards that and really start to gear everything that we do towards the truth and towards honest conversations and honest opinions, that's the way towards success. So uh, with that being said, guys, uh, in order to find us and our company, uh, actually the best way to do it is via social media since we live in a 2018 world, not a 1990 world. 2018 uh, Instagram and Facebook, it's Ramsden Mental Fitness. Also on Discord, I'm pretty sure people can add me on here. I mean, I'm game with that. Ramsden Mental Fitness as well. Um, you know, we certainly do individual coaching. Uh, we do group coaching as well, obviously at the professional level. However, I am actually hoping, or well, depending on how that en- envelops, we may actually end up in an exclusive role with the Knights. Uh, to be you know to be quite honest with you, so that might be something that could be fading if somebody's a you know another professional organization. And again, I'm not saying that to like create all this tension. I'm just being being quite honest <laughs> with you guys. I'm, I'm very excited to be with the Knights. So sorry, like yeah. Phase Clan. Sorry, Team Liquid. I, I'm good where I am there. But there are a hell of a lot of players that are either up and coming or just even individual players that you know. There's plenty of people that spend money on this game for god's sake someone was telling me the other day that there's skins in these games that are like 10 grand and shit like it's unbelievable <laughs> that people spend money like that so i'm not surprised at all that i actually would have a more a market and you know um my number one job on this podcast is not to come here and talk about myself but um since you guys asked it is facebook and instagram rams and mental fitness just dm us you know i'll be happy to have a conversation with you guys um you know i'm not super salesy or anything it's not like i won't talk to people uh unless they pay me you know three three easy payments of 1999 it's been such a <laughs> pleasure and and um fran is you know as ramsden mental fitness in our uh discord channel so i don't know uh, uh do you encourage people to reach out to you in yeah that absolutely okay. absolutely awesome um and of course you know you're always welcome to hop in for some games with us on pc oh yeah, yeah. um and if you want to pick up some you know mobile yeah. players <laughs> we yeah got mobile dudes what's up well. man i'll tell you what i i've never really played pubg mobile squads because i'm so terrified that if you don't have four players like even just on pubg mobile for gods it feels like everybody's so random they're just jumping in games yeah. that if you actually got a squad of four like you should probably get in the top 100 fairly easily <laughs> if if you guys yeah. have like decent talent just because you guys are coordinated i think that that'd be super fun <laughs> rad all right well uh thanks again fran and uh yeah man i hope you have an awesome night and just wishing you the best of luck with working with the knights i just thank you so much for your time no thank you gentlemen i look forward to uh, following you guys on the podcast uh great, great stuff good job getting on to that number one google search for pubg uh, podcast it's uh it's absolutely fantastic what, what you guys are doing and i've really enjoyed your episodes awesome so good to have you and that's going to do it for this week's episode thanks so much for joining us and uh robin what do we have coming up next week all right so we're going to really change it up next week and instead 
we usually do a topic on tactics or strategy and talk a lot about weapons and things, which we might still do a little weapon segment. But what I wanted to try next week is doing a segment in which we watch a very good player um, and try to learn something from one of their videos. And in the podcast, what we'll do is we'll break down some of the scenes of that video that really display how this player is kind of a next level player and what makes them really good. Um, and I've done a little bit of this just in my own time of watching players like Shroud and trying to find things they do that are different, that gives them an edge. And it's pretty fun. And I would definitely want to share some of what I've been observing with our listeners. And so, yeah, I was kind of thinking a watching Shroud uh, main segment would be a really fun thing to do um, where you and I, Arjuna, can can bring some analysis to our listeners about how the pros do. So, Sounds good to me, man. I, I mean, I watch Shroud in my spare time, so <laughs> that's just like an, an evening at Shay, Arjuna, and Robin. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so we could look forward to that for next week. Um, and that'll wrap up this week. Yeah, yeah. Sounds great. Okay. So, um, yeah, thanks for joining us again. And, uh, oh, let's talk about custom games, Robin. Oh, of course. So, yeah, so next week, are we doing Monday, Tuesday again next week? Yep, Monday, okay. Tuesday, 6 o'clock Pacific time. Sounds awesome. So, yeah, be there or be square. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we've we've been having a lot of fun. I think we had our highest attendance ever this past week. We were just shy of 30 players mm-hmm. in there at a time. And uh, and we had, you know, more than that, like, over the lifetime of the evening. Yeah, it's so, been cool. It's, it's fun seeing uh, the same faces, so to speak, come back and getting to know people has been fun. If you haven't joined our custom servers yet, guys, jump in. It's, it's a really great, like, community-building thing. And I have to say that I feel like it's kind of a nice icebreaker with the custom games because, you know, you're kind of... You're jumping in with different people all the time and you don't have to, like necessarily like engage the same people for a long time if you don't want to Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes people you know when they're playing when they're hopping in with someone in the discord you might be a little afraid like oh what if they don't like me or what if i don't like them or what if we you know what if we suck or what if we have skill differences or any of that kind of stuff and the cool thing about the customs is that every game you're cycling you're playing with different people you can play with the same people if you want to Mm -hmm. but there's no pressure right yeah um and even some people will like hop into a team on their own just because they want to try something different you know so right there's like a lot of space for different play styles when we're playing the customs but you know i have to mention this um just you were mentioning squads and playing with different people and something i've been thinking about that we should talk about uh, providing for our listeners is, is helping people um, form squads that they play with regularly mm, um, in awesome. our Discord. Yeah, um, It's something I've desired is to kind of play with people somewhat consistently and have like my regular four-person group where we kind of get our get our groove. Um, and of course, for, for customs and things, like we, it's fun to mix it up. But if people are interested in that, if you listeners are interested in having kind of like little squads formed within our Discord, I would love to, to like start a discussion about that. Um, yeah, I think it's a huge step in actually developing squad play is, is developing some consistency. So mm. yeah. yeah, that's rad. And we've also spoken about having like winner winner specific tournaments 
which of course you know would be mostly just for the lols and for the bragging rights yeah um maybe <laughs> maybe in the future we could offer some prize money but that actually once you start offering prizes it, it you you need to like register with blue hole and it's a whole different thing mm-hmm. so we might just try to keep it casual right but i think having teams would be a way to kind of get people excited for that so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's just something to put in on your little brain back burner Well, okay, so yeah, thanks for joining us. We've spoken a bit about our Discord, which you can find in the show notes, and it's a really great way to meet players. It's, it's the only way to join our custom games right now. And, of course, you can always catch us on our Reddit, uh, subreddit, which we'll post in the show notes. You can email us at winnerpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always, you know, help us out a little bit on Patreon if you like. Um, or you can even just leave us a review on iTunes if you rather help big us up that way so uh yeah robin where can people find the music on this episode that's by gazelles thanks gazelles they do our intro music and our outro music and you can find them on facebook and their link is in our show notes right on all right well i can't wait for this next week thing i'm stoked to see you guys then all right ciao guys